The following Roadshow podcast contains strong language and listener discretion is advised. Rowers tend to use invective and colourful language to explain even the simplest points. This Roadshow podcast is no exception. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to 2022 and welcome to the first episode of the Roadshow. We're back. We're back and... Yeah, we're kicking off the 2022 by looking back and celebrating an epic year that was 2021. Very interesting. Despite the odd number, it was indeed the year of the Olympic Games, which took their time, but they they eventually they eventually came to, and it was probably, I still think, the best racing at any Olympic Games I've watched. Maybe I'm biased. It could be possible, but... I honestly, I do believe that, you know, I've watched, I mean, especially now with the Rosho podcast, I've watched a lot of Olympic races. Yeah, but I see you're pretty rusty because you didn't even introduce yourself, Jake. Oh, uh, yes, this is Jake Green. I'm back. I haven't, <laughs> there hasn't been any, 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 any differences this year around. Jake is back. And of course, Lawrence, welcome. Yeah, Lawrence Britton back. And it's awesome. It's really, really cool to be back. We have an exciting year planned ahead of us. And Obviously, some some new developments in uh, Jake and I's lives, but uh, we'll get into that a bit later. Um, but yeah, really, really good. And obviously, the row show will continue its upward trend, taking over the rowing podcast of the world. And yeah, we got some big plans ahead, and we're going to kick off with talking about last year, about twenty twenty one. Uh, we posted up the the polls and we we took all the the numbers into account and now we are ready to discuss the huge year that was 2021. Mm. I mean, I think especially because we missed 29, uh, 2020, no racing, no real substantial um, events to 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 watch and to see, and then to come into 2021 knowing that it's an Olympic year, knowing that there's all these dark horses, and it did not disappoint. The mm. Olympic Games were the Wild West, there were so many upsets, so many disappointments, and so many victories from epic crews. So yeah. I really think we have a lot to talk about today. No, we do have a lot to do get through. And besides the Olympics, we're also going to just have a, a look back and talk about a bit of highlights on the show itself. And uh, yeah, it's going to be some good banter just talking about, you know, what's, you know, what's, what it's, what's it looked like from our side of the, um, from the microphone. And uh also, just, uh, you know, we're going to be speaking about a lot of things. So um, we'll be talking about the awards, the people that did well. But, you know, we've got a lot of other big talking points that I think are quite relevant to, to put in this, um, this, this episode. Like, like Lauren said, last year was massive. And it was, obviously, the Olympic regatta is pretty much the most dominant regatta of the year. And that's pretty much where all the awards come from. But, you know, like Lawrence uh, mentioned, the COVID pandemic, the the lack of racing, there are just so many things that have made this year special. And I think all of that went into the racing that we saw at the Olympic Games, why it was so close, why there were so many upsets, and uh, why, you know, why the, the results are the way, the way they are. For sure. So, let's get going. Welcome to The Road Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, crucial role as high Passion, Great. Passion, fiction, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training. 
Pain. Pain. <laughs> cool. So, Jake, I think let's start off with talking about the Rose Show because we had an absolute banger of a year. We outdid the other years by miles and we really, really dished up more episodes than we've ever had before. We had more listens than we've ever had before and our, we started our Patreon group, which grew like crazy throughout the year. We released new forms of uh, of in, of uh, episodes, episodes, which was really, really awesome. So I think our first one is to just shout out to our top listeners, which are, we don't know who you are, but it's Sculling Fool. You seem to cram in multiple yeah. uh, episodes. Mu- multiple episodes, <laughs> multiple times as well. <laughs> I think you listen to Rose Show episodes basically every day on repeat. So thank you very much. And our number two is our awesome uh, Jess DiCarlio from our Patreon group. And obviously she really into into the rowing and, and into what we're dishing up. So yeah, thanks guys. Yeah. Really, really cool to to have the, the numbers just constantly growing, being able to, to dish up more and more episodes. And then when I look across at our top tracks, which we'll get to later because obviously we're going to look at uh, which was our top episodes uh, for me and Jake of, uh, of 2021. But when I look at the it's numbers... No brainer here. When I look at the numbers, New Zealand just wiping the floor clean uh, from our, our top tracks with Hamish, Michael Brake, Mahi Drysdale, and uh, Noel Donaldson. But there were so many to, to discuss. So we'll get into that, I think, at the end of the show. Um, I think, Jake, what about, are you, on the, are you on the page? Can you go into the top countries and top cities? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the Rosho has grown quite a lot these last couple of years, and it's really cool to see the international community that we, that, we, that we have here on the show. And the United States come out as the top, top country of the year by quite a, quite, quite a big margin. Um, so shout out to all our listeners out in the USA. You guys are our biggest supporters um, nationwide. And uh, the UK also came in there in second place and Australia coming in third. So, and which, which is crazy because when we started the row show, we were like, no, it's all about South Africa. We yeah. were going to South African rowing and deep. And then like very quickly, we were like, well, this is going to be bigger than, uh, than South Africa. Yeah. So we started dishing up the, the global scale. And then it's just US has just consumed the podcast, which has been really, really amazing. So huge shout out to the USA because you guys are incredible supporting the show um, like absolute champs. But yeah, and then if you look all the way down the list, which is actually amazing because the list goes only to the top 50 countries that listen to the Row Show. And we have countries like Namibia, Colombia, uh, Taiwan, Chile, um, even Jamaica listening to to episodes of the Row Show. So it's really cool to to look down the list and see the the kind of range and how quickly the diversity just mm. kind of explodes. You know, there's always like these really um, countries that you wouldn't even think would be listening to the Row Show having like multiple listens, which is really awesome to, to see. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, rowing is an international sport. It's a very international community. And, you know, Lawrence and I try... Uh, our best to try and represent that diversity on our episodes. It's not always easy because naturally Lawrence and I are native English speakers and the rowing world is so much bigger than just the, the English community. But, you know, it's it's awesome to see the diversity growing and we 
we started interviewing more, you know, non, uh, we started looking for opportunities to interview non-English uh, native speakers. And I think that's definitely something we're going to keep pushing, try and get more voices on the podcast from different parts of the world. Yeah, and we have like awesome feedback as yeah. well. You know, when we interview um, Stefanos uh, from Greece and we interview the, the Italians, Italians, they're like quite nervous to come on the show because they're not so good at they, oh, the English is like, is not as, they don't think it's as good, but I find them incredible to speak to, and they bring yeah. a whole different like uh, personality and culture to to the show, which was I always find amazing. And we had such good feedback from our listeners for those episodes. So yeah. it's definitely something we need to push. And then if you look across though at the cities, because obviously the US are biggest supporters, but obviously spread over so many different cities. So then South Africa comes in Johannesburg. Hometown. That's it. But I think it's also Jake just doing all the quality control. Yeah, quality justice. You don't understand what ha- goes on behind the scenes. Just checking out uh, my, my editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm sure there were lots of numbers from there. But I mean, it's it's cool to see because again, uh, yeah, also a lot of uh, Australian and New Zealand cities up there. And I'm not surprised because the New Zealand episodes, I know we've had a lot of New Zealand guests, but they they've been eating them up. So... Yeah, I mean it's awesome to see it's awesome to see the the show growing, and we we are hoping that you know next year we're going to see just more growth and and more diversity in in the row show because uh, we really do like, I mean it, like we've always said when we started this, it's all about finding out the stories of the people that we're racing against, and um, you know it's 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 stories that uh, come from familiar places, and also we really want to hear from the stories that come from unfamiliar places and communities that we wouldn't have. Um, interacted with in the past so it's really cool cool to see all the growth for sure so let's get into the awards if you weren't um following us on instagram uh if you headed there then there was a whole list uh to to a um, survey monkey that you could go and complete where we listed all of our nominations for the um for for all the uh, categories that we decided and then Jake put that up and we got some really cool responses. And yeah, and just shout out just before that, shout out to our Patreons for helping us with the categories and the nominations. We tried to open it up, included them in the in the process. It was very interesting. So the nominations and But the, you're so full of shit, Jake, because what? you already did that to help lighten your load. So <laughs> you don't have to go and do all the research. You could just Dude, ask. You don't the, understand. I want someone else to take the flag. I want someone else to take the flag because you put something out there like, no ways, I can't believe you didn't put this guy out there. <laughs> so at least now I can be like, it's not just my responsibility. It's not our responsibility. Oh, Jake, that's so funny. Yeah. So we try to keep the, the awards to a minimum. Because it's really easy to have a ton of awards and basically give awards to every single crew or every single person that has performed. But it's better to have less awards and then really treat those people. And, you know, if you win a Rocho Award, it's like... Prestigious. It's prestigious. And then you put that on your CV. (laughs) You can put that out there. People will, when they see that and they see that on your CV, they are going to think twice, you know. They're going to yeah. be like, wow, this person has got some accolades to their name. Yeah, selected by a panel of experts in the field. Yeah, and let's tell you that Jake might not be an expert, but our patrons, they yeah. sure no, know. No, they are the experts, trust. <laughs> they sure they know. know what they're talking about. <laughs> You've got to watch yourself with those guys. <laughs> okay, yeah. so let's kick it off. Best 
Explain your name. Why does it say best in mail? So it's, I'm sure the people are all drawing appreciate this, but like if I, you know, rowing is dominated by mostly crew boats, but then they have the scullers in there that ruin it for everyone. So I wanted to, there was a bit of discussion between making the best male singular or best crew. And I'm like, no, that's just, it'll make too many awards. I wanted to make a category name that kind of encapsulates the scullers and the crew boats all together. So I said best in male, as in best in male events. So just a bit of semantics there, but I had, you don't understand, this gives me grief. So yeah, (laughs) but the nominations, what about the nominations? We had uh, the Sinkovich brothers, um, the Australian men's four, Stefanos, Tuskos from Greece, the the Dutch men's quad and the Irish lighty men's double. So that's quite the uh, that, those. That's quite the the competition there. So for me, because this because twenty twenty one was an Olympic year, it's not only about twenty twenty one. When I look at these, like if you look at the best male crew, because it's an Olympic year, it's the whole cycle. So mm. it's five years of performance. It's five years of like putting your name out there to to get on this list. So for me, when I looked at this list, I was like, no, uh, Stefanos is absolutely superb is performance at the games is something that will go down in in history but it's not for me it's not up for this av- award because mm. it's like you've got to have the consistency over multiple yeah. years to end in success at the at the olympic games yeah so i also you know the way i thought about it was very similar on your page like i i thought the people i know it's based awards from 2021 and the, the beauty, beautiful thing about this is this democratic process however you interpreted it is is how you voted but the way i voted is i wanted to uh award the crew that not only performed well in tokyo but has got such consistency and they've been dominating and really doing well and i think that's what separates these names on the list here um, the overall winner is not not my choice, but you know it, it's still the the winner of this award is the is has been you know the most one of the most dominant crews in, in men's rowing the last cycle. So we had Stefanos, obviously huge name in rowing, and he's come from people maybe feel like he's come from nowhere, but we we after chatting to him we saw that he's had a long process getting to to where he got. We had Australian men's four, which. I think had an impeccable record and I think 2019 really hurt their like their rep, you mm. know, having, which in, it's really funny in hindsight because actually what Australia did was gamble to qualify more boats and it paid off hugely and they managed to qualify all of those men's men's crews, even though it hurt the, the four and then to come back and win the four at the end of the day was mm just ridiculous which really does put them on the list but i think that that 2019 i think people are like really it, it's it's a yeah it it's is a it's big a blemish bit of a blemish on, on their the, record on the record and i think that's why people didn't vote for them yeah i i thought also i think this comes from the the patreon discussion um you know someone mentioned that they actually changed the way it falls race and it is very true so i thought that was a an interesting point to raise because they came in in 2017 and flipped the book on that event. Um, you know, it was a huge, the the clash of the Australian and the, the GB Men's 4 in Rio was a big thing. And, you know, this Australian Men's 4 winning in Tokyo was very much, 
it's been like a return to form of like you know their 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 heritage in that event is ridiculous. And it was like it was kind of like um, for Australian rowing, it must have been pretty huge because obviously they have been a powerhouse of rowing for so many years. And then after 2017, it's one way traffic or a straight line mm. graph to success between 2017 and 2021. I mean, the whole team in general is fed off this and really performed out of their boots by the time we, we everyone got to to Tokyo which was yes. outrageously cool to watch yeah but i like you said before i think if you look at the them compared to maybe some of the other the the other names that that did a bit better i think you know they 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 definitely the rest of the field caught up to them they did win that gold medal but if you look at their 2017 result they absolutely wiped the table at 2017 world champs in Sarasota but then 2018 you know, 2019, they, they lost it to the Polish. And then 2021, I mean, that men's four race, what uh, what happened there was ridiculous. And they, they managed to just win the, the gold medal. So, But Jake, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch uh, or still a mile. gold medal. Winning like, is winning. Uh, yeah, we know that We know that uh, very intimately. It's 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 that fine line is, is it doesn't matter. It doesn't rock up on the on the results and on your, you know, on your legacy. It's just the gold medal. Then next... Sinkovich brothers oh my word they there's just so much cool stuff about them i mean first of all i think they were they're one of the best two guys in world rowing they the nicest guys they are always up to to chat they're always there and they're always putting their best foot forward and representing the sport in the in the best possible way and i think that they took on a massive challenge i think it would have been really safe for them to say cool we're gonna stick it out in the double and we're gonna just get faster Mm. and we're gonna not, Maybe, not safe, I mean, but I mean, safe, yeah. But if, yes, in their, to what they know. If, if you're sitting in their boots, yeah. the double is yeah. is is pretty locked down, you know. And also, you know how many people they would have scared away from the double if they'd stayed in the double. Mm. So I think that they had stayed. They did a really big risky move by going to the pair. Did really badly, or not badly, but they didn't win that first year. Mm. But then instead of being like, okay, now we're going back. We're going to run back. They stuck it out. Even in 2019, when it was really tough, really tight, and really hard, then they still were like, no, 2020 or 2021 is going to be our year in the pair. We're not going anywhere. And I think that was like just monster from them and and really respectful. I don't know. From I just think that's that's, that's so awesome. And then to come away at the end of all of those hard decisions, come away with the win is incredible it's incredible and uh, you know that's everyone has seen the um how they've grown in the in that pair but you can tell like, coming from the double off the bat 2017 it didn't look as familiar as that men's double and then for them to come away and be the dominant crew in that in the men's pair event and, and win the gold medal in in tokyo was awesome and now they're going back to the double and i know we're talking about this awards but on a segue, I can't wait to see what happens there because I think, you know, that French men's double this year, I mean, at at, at Tokyo was ridiculous. No, the, and the, and the men's high. double was, standard was insanely high. I mean, if they didn't catch, if the, if the French didn't catch a, uh, a crab in their race, they probably would have gone under six minutes. I mean, they were knocking on the door, that whole yeah. regatta. So I'm really I- interested to see what's going to happen when the Sinkovitches come in and, and see what, what happens in the men's double field. Then... You got the Dutch men's quad, which is arguably our probably our like most solid performer of 
20 of the 2021 Olympic cycle of the Tokyo Olympic cycle you know mm. they cleaned up every single race uh, or bar a couple but they cleaned up nearly everything just dominating and rowing the best and winning by country miles in some of the the races yeah. that they entered and Olympic final you know they had a bit of a mistake caught a crab She's a lot of people had a lot of mistakes. people caught crabs they made a mistake in the final still was able to come back and win that event mm-hmm. it goes to show the the class they are to be able to recover from a mistake that like that which most of the time cost yeah. is the is, is is too much no, we, to recover from rowing at this is level a, rowing is a game of such small margins and now you you're really batting on like to be able to come back from a big mistake is is huge especially in the quad where you know that start that boats getting your boat speed up to up to up to race base is is so critical and then mm. that's when they made the mistake right out the block so really cool and that's your vote that hey, was Jake? my vote so i voted for the the dutch men's quad i just thought they were i think they've they've been if i if i look if i cast my mind to the whole of the rowing world and i i try and pick out crews that are rowing exceptionally well and they are just really textbook and not only in the, in their technique but in the in their approach to racing they are number one that comes to my mind like when i watch them row when i go out to the dam and i think about technique and, and what i want to improve a lot of the times the 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 crew i look to to emulate is that dutch men's squad so i voted for them i thought they were ex- exceptional to um, throughout the cycle and they came into their own in 2019 and they really dominated at the Olympics. So that's that's yeah. what gave that, that's why I gave them my vote. But you obviously know nothing about rowing because that's <laughs> not what the public voted for. The public went for the Irish lightweight men's double, which is what I voted for. So obviously I'm in yeah. the now. And um we yeah, I just thought, man, they they it it was tight. I must say, when I look at these nominations, I'm like, oh, it's hard to vote for one person over the the other. But the Irish, first of all, so do- like coming onto the the scene in 2016, then just having the most crazy 2021 cycle, having to swap out the crewmates, brothers. You know, I mean, that must have just caused yeah. so much drama back home. Yet when they came to a, a, a world event and they had to put their race down they managed to crush it and always just be brilliant and like if you think of like in the past few years think of some of the race that they had what about the one world cup where the stroke coach was dangling in the yeah, water they yeah, stopped put the thing back in and then and kept and going. carried on and to to go for a win and how they're like so often sitting a bit back in the field by the halfway mark and then it's just absolute damage that yeah. they're dealing in the second half of the race so I think that they are so impressive. And then they're just their personality for me. Also, how they like tune the Norwegians for tipping, you know, straight after the race. You know, they just like, I don't know, ballers, no no shame. Yeah, and I think we, we spoke about earlier that, uh, you know, the this field is dominated by people that not only did well at the Olympics, but did well over the cycle. If you look at the Irish light men's double, out of all the names we've spoken about, they've done the best. You know the Dutch quad. I did give them my vote, but they also they they came in a bit later into the cycle. Twenty nineteen became world champions. The the Irish lighty men's double since twenty eighteen <coughs> has been the crew in that event. In a in a crazy event. In a crazy well. event. Uh, James Thompson 
voted for Lighty Men's Double in every single event, regardless of what the hell the event was. And I know he's going to be chuffed um, with with uh, with this result. And yeah, I mean the Lighty Men's Double is a absolute gladded, gladiator of an event. So they and they also did change up the way the the event the, their rowing um, style. I think is quite different from the the last the last Olympiad. I mean, the French double just went out really hard and tried to dominate the field from the beginning. Irishman's double very much more an even an even kill, an even split. They're just ruthless. They go out, they go out the blocks, stay composed, and then they just steam train in the middle of that race to to take the win. No, so they they are ridiculous. Watching them race is really something to to behold because when I mean, the way they come through in the second half of the race and it's like. It's huge damage, and there's no way you're going to go into the last 500 meters and doubt them yeah. no matter where they are in the field. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I really think that's awesome. And I think what's crazy is that for so many years, every year we have the road show, we talk about lighty men's double, lighty women's double, and how ridiculous these two events are. And now, luckily, we're going to see this for another Olympic cycle. Yes. But I mean, how can they be getting rid of these events? I mean, I these don't are it. outrageous events yeah. that people love watching. And it's really sad that we don't have the Lighting Men's Four. But I mean, don't get rid of them. They're no, they so are, good. They're definitely the the spectator. If you t- if you take a spectator event for, for for the viewers out there, I know a lot of them would probably say the eights. But uh, for me, it's the Lighty, the lighty Doubles. They are just so competitive and so ruthless. Um, but yeah, that's the, the best... The best in males, the, the Irish Lighty Men's Double of Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy, and they won with 45% of the vote. So a lot of people were, um, you know, uh, thought they, they they were the best. And also it goes in line, I saw the, the World Rowing Awards also gave their, their best male to the Irish Lighty Double. So... That's so they obviously it. know what they're talking about. Yes, they do. Seeing as though they're the same as the row show. Not always the same, though. We're going to see this next... Uh, the next event, the best in female award, and here we have some big names and some, you know, I, th- I for me this was more straightforward than the the best in male. I thought this in my mind there was only one crew to vote for, but I see th- people thought differently. So, I mean, first of all, I just think we criticize world rowing for losing the lightweight um, events, but what world rowing has done through the gender equality and through uh, guys and girls rowing is incredible. And the races that we got from the women's side over 2021 and 2019 was so good mm. and just so, I mean, there's it didn't matter. When I was sitting on the stands or I was watching a, an event over the last few years, it did not matter if it was a guys race or a girls race coming down because you knew that there was going to be big quality coming down the track and the race was going to be tight and there was going to be people putting their lives on the line to to get the results. And I think that that is really special. And I think a lot of sports don't have that. So I just think it was so mm. awesome. And it's so cool to have, you know, we go into such depth into best uh, in male and now we get a best in female. And for me, it's like, also, there's just so much quality to talk about. And that is so amazing. On that same discussion, this is the first Olympiad when we've got the women's fall back in the program. Oh, so cool. And it's been awesome to see that event develop and you can see a bit of strategies that have that have happened in, in that event i think it's still got a lot of time to develop we've seen it's given the opportunity for new crews to to come into the mix such as the the irish women's fall it also gives 
new countries the ability yeah, to come exactly. into the mix because like it's 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 too big of a jump to go from a double or a pair to an eight. Yeah, now you have the big. now you have the, the four, and it's like if your if your country is on the up, it's a perfect event to to try and go into and to try and get a result there before growing it that little bit further that uh, that can push you into the eight. Well, staying on the on the women's four. One of the nominations was, in fact, from half of the Australian women's four, we have Jess Morrison and Annabelle McIntyre from Australia, who doubled up at the Olympics and took the gold medal in the women's four. And uh, I think, you know, doubling up, while they didn't manage to capture any sort of success in the women's pair, I think coming away with a gold medal in the women's four, um, while having to juggle two events at the Olympics, is definitely deserves a nomination for a list for sure and they were actually really unlucky because of the change in days because of the weather they got completely screwed by the they had to race the women's four final and then go straight on literally an hour later to race the 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 women's women's pair and they got caught in a semi-final of death and that's where the greeks sprinted through and it was just carnage and world record broken yeah so it was just you know it was that little bit too much but also unlucky it was like they they had the skill they really should have been in the final and it was just one of the olympic stories where things didn't go to plan and people got hurt and but that's kind of also what makes sports so exciting to watch and what makes rowing so exciting to watch because you know people are putting their hearts and soul on the line and for each crew on the water it means so much and then you see the drama unfold as it comes down the Mm. course yeah and i think um so that that's that's um on the they they got the nomination for a list and then in this in this best and female event, we see two crews that have absolutely dominated their respective events. Firstly, the Romanian women's double. I cannot believe how far they are ahead of the the rest of the field. They abs- were untouchable in uh, in Tokyo, and they had, you know, it's a young crew from Romania. Romania has such a rich, rich history in rowing, especially on the women's side. And that double um, is going to be not only a crew to you know celebrate from from Tokyo, but a crew to watch going forward because they're very young, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens going forward. And uh, you know, it was an easy one of the first nominations that came to mind with a Rem- Romanian women's double. And then the other one is the Chinese women's quad, yeah. which also just just crushed. dominated. I think they must have had. We haven't. Uh, I don't have the numbers, but they must have one of the biggest um, margins of victory at at the Tokyo Olympics, especially at Olympics um, where the racing was so tight. They won by more than six seconds, oh, which so is ridiculously huge in in an Olympic especially style. If event. Com- especially if you compare to the rest of the the racing. Yeah, no, it it, it is wild. So I think they they definitely did exceptionally well, and then. The next, um, we have two New Zealands New, New Zealand um, nominations in this category. The first one, Emma Twig, Lawrence. That's my vote. Is that your vote? It's oh, finally. It's so hard because obviously we are super attached to Carrier Grace. They've done yeah. it so incredibly well over the last few years. Been on the row show twice. Absolutely dominated every single boat they get into. 
world champions in the eight, world champions in the pair, Olympic champions in the pair, Olympic medalists in the eight. It's just, I mean, they've had the most phenomenal Olympic cycle. And I think it's a really good time to actually even just talk about how impressive New Zealand and Australia were through COVID. Mm. You know, they hid away. They didn't come to any World Cups. They didn't come to anything. The New Zealand eight snuck in to qualify the eight, snuck out, and they crushed it. And mm. I think it shows like a lot of countries, I think, feel pressure to go and race and go and represent themselves on the, the international circuit to show how fast they are. Meanwhile, if you just have trust in what you're doing at home and you commit to that training and you really put yourself out there, you don't need that international racing. Everyone knows how to race. Racing, your coaches can make racing ridiculously difficult at home and that's good enough to rock up at an Olympic Games and kill. Yeah, for sure. And Australia and New Zealand were... Uh, if you take their countries, they were quite a quite a step ahead of a lot of the other countries at the games, and I, I've got a you know I've got a feeling like a lot of the big nations I felt would struggle with the COVID pandemic, you know, trying to logistically control so many athletes over your country, and for them to lock it down in New Zealand and Australia, not do any racing, they're going into the Olympics blind, and mm. come away with such a dominant performance was was really impressive and. Emma Twig, finally, not only she missed out in uh, Rio and London with the fourth place in such tight races, and she comes back to Tokyo and takes gold medal. I mean, that story and that end to her rowing journey is... And I think that's why I voted for it. Because yeah. it's like when we spoke to her on the row show, it was a bit tugging on the heartstrings because... It was, yeah. She'd been so close so many times. You knew she had it in her. You knew it was there. All the pieces were there. She just hadn't put them all together in one go at the Olympics yet. And and then to have her come there and do that, just beautiful. I mean, amazing to watch and so cool. So she came second on our on our. It was actually pretty close on the women's side. I didn't expect it to be close. I voted for, and the overall winners of the category was. um, uh, uh, Grace and Kerry from uh, from the New Zealand pair and the New Zealand eight. They had forty four percent. They had forty four percent, and and uh, Emma Twig came away thirty eight. So those two crews really dominated um, this event. I think doubling up though is just it's just that little bit step. Yeah, I too, too much for people to 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 not vote for them. And I mean, they also dominated the whole cycle. The they whole really cycle kept the Kiwi pair legacy alive. I feel, and they just destroyed and they had such tight racing you know there was times in 2019 where it was neck and neck right down to the last few strokes and they still came away with a win there and then to double up and often they were doubling up against each other especially against uh jason annabelle from australia and and then still coming away with the win no i just think you know they they were winners in 2017 the year after the games and they're the winners in 2021. They've had this event in the bag. Plus, the, just racing in the women's eight and, and winning silver medal at the at the games. For me, if you had to say the overall best rowing crew of the year, there is they are the best overall rowing crew of in my mind. They are yeah, for of me, the whole cycle. Of the whole cycle, they've just been a step ahead of anyone else. For me, no one else has has been able to operate on their level to operate in two events and go away with two Olympic medals 
is is exceptionally impressive. So, yeah, I was actually surprised that this event was so close. I thought uh, Grace and Kerry would win by an, a huge margin. But, yeah, the Best in Female Rosha Award goes to um, Grace Prentagast and Kerry Gowler from the New Zealand Women's Pair and Women's Eight. Tops, Jake. Next, next on the list, Lawrence, what do we have? We have Performance of the Year. And I think this is like where it comes down to your kind of interpretation yeah. of what you think Jake has kind of put out the the, the nominations in their and awards the Patreons, for. And the Patreons. And the Patreons. It's not just me. <laughs> Jake, it's you. It's not, it's you actually had the final the say. You I had the did, final say. They did, did nothing. nothing. They, just, they just fed off what you asked them. So it comes down to you. And if anyone is, if you're listening to this and you disagree wholly with any of these things, the only person you can blame <laughs> is Jake. Is Jake. Okay, so I see. So, I would say the two big ones here. We got performance of the year and event of the year. And for me, and obviously anyone can break this down in, in a number of different ways, but for me personally, performance of the year is one single race or one single regatta where you just delivered the absolute best that you could do and the stars aligned, you made the stars align and you you got the results. Whereas event of the year is kind of like a carry through over like a period of time and or kind of the the whole mm. spirit of the that event and how the hype was for before it and, and going in. So for me that's how I interpreted the 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 two different awards. And I think performance of the year, there were some humdingers. Yeah, I think on that note it's for me, it's the most open for interpretation event. Like, I don't know how people voted for this because, like, we can we can go so many different ways into this. And the way I put it down is on the on the survey was celebrating those who produce something spectacular, having the race of their lives to capture the ultimate prize. And I think we very much Jeez. dude should I'm be a, a writer or something. I'm a natural. <laughs> <laughs> so well, the three the three kind of runner ups to the the top two here. We got French men's double, just ridiculous. We already spoke about them, almost going under six with a mistake in the race and really can't wait to see what they if they go head-to-head -head with um, the Sinkoviches in 2022. It's going to be really good. Hugo yeah. and uh, and Matthew, we're really excited to, to see what they have coming up. But I don't think that they were performance of the year. No. Not, not, not quite. But they, they, they were good enough to get. Oh, for sure. The nomination. We're talking about the the top dogs, yeah. And then the next one we've mentioned them earlier in the best in male category is the the Netherlands men's quad, and I think their performance is cemented. You know, it's it's interesting because a lot of the times for me the best the best the people that are going to do the best in this category are those who who maybe not dominated the event, but actually are the people that had the shock result yeah and that's who's gonna we're gonna see the winner of this is gonna be the the, the crew with the shock result so no, the, both the actually dutch, both the top two the are dark, shock results both the top two so the dutchman squad is not a shock result but that event when i think of that race the catching a crab how tight it was and going to on to win but it also is, is it shows you how like how hardcore sport is and how hardcore being a, an athlete is it's like you know you can win every race of the cycle, almost every race of the cycle, and you can be so dominant that people expect you to win so much that when you win, it's just like, cool. You did your good job. Because, yeah. I mean, that quads race at the Olympic Games was wild. You know, the Italians threw everything at the, the 
everything they had. Made, if they hadn't made that mistake, I think they could have won that race. You know, there were multiple crews there coming through that could have won this race. And yet the Dutch, with the experience, with the confidence, come through and win, which is, because it's expected, I think, is why the the people haven't voted for them as the, the performance of the year, which is, just shows you how hardcore it is. And also, the rest of the names here, I mean, even Hugo and Matteo, all these other names are shock results. None of these guys were favorites Did in their you fields. can't call him Matteo. He's not Italian. It's, I don't know how you pronounce that. It's Sorry. Matthew. It's not Matthew. That's it's English. It's got to be Matthew. You, yeah, think, well, okay, you think the French pronounce it Matthew. It's <laughs> probably got a in it somewhere. It's got a somewhere in there, dude. I don't know. I'm not going to pronounce it again. But anyway. <laughs> Why did you try to pronounce the surnames? And, Androdius. Bukharan. There we go. You got, got it. it. Basically Golden. French, Jake. Basically French. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the next the next uh, result I want to chat about, and probably for me the craziest final of the whole regatta was the the lighty women's double. Yeah, Valentina. Dude, what are you even? What are you even looking at? The v- Valentina Rodinian Federica Cesarini performance of the year. For performance of the year. Oh, I'm f- not looking at the same results that you're looking at. If you if you look at the the survey monkey monkey page sorry lawrence is, is off the ball here uncharacteristic of him i'm on are you on event of the year i feel like you're not on the i didn't think performance of the year was the same oh but you didn't add this on the on the um which one? instagram page oops yeah i'm not added in there look at you go hey cool carry on okay <laughs> i'm gonna carry on so for me, this this result here was um, the final was was really close because firstly it'd be talking about the lightweight women's double, and uh, that was an a crazy event, and we'll talk more about that later. But it was go- it would look like the 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 Netherlands double was going on to win, but a bit of a mistake at the end, and you know a lot of the times with racing is you got to put your you got to put your yourself in the mix and for me this crew put themselves in the mix and they they were in a position to take advantage of someone else's mistake and they came away with a gold medal and sometimes that's what it comes down it comes down to and for me that was why they were on our nominations and uh, again in uh, such an event that's had so many different people doing well over the last couple of years they did they did exceptional to get to to get that gold medal yeah so like for me it's really hard to say that this is a performance of the year when like for me it's like this is the event kind of that's kind of where i'm at where the the event is so big and there's so many variables at play that it's hard to say um put down one performance from the lighty women's double because there are just so many performances and on top of that the amount of times the record got just annihilated oh this my. year was just amazing it just made me so happy don't go too much into it we need we need okay. to save this conversation for later on so the other uh performance of the year canadian women's eight banger i mean I mean, how many years was it since they'd won? It was a huge project. They'd always be knocking at the door, always getting shut down by America. Even in 2019, New Zealand uh, stopping them in their in their tracks, and then to come away at the Olympic Games with the win, so incredible. And what a! I don't think anyone saw it coming. To be honest, I think you know the the women's eight in 2019 in New Zealand eight did 
did it exceptional to to take it, and they were very dominant. And I think a lot of people were expecting to see um, to see the New Zealand women's eight go on to win, and then the you know the the Canadian women's eight just had they just went out there and again they seized that event and they seized that race and they came away with the win. And we spoke to Christine Roper from the women's eight, and if you do a little bit more digging in there, you can see. The Canadian women's eight, like Lauren said, it's been a huge project over the number of years. If you look at their results, they've always been knocking on the door at the top of the podium. They were they were knocking on the door when the American women's eight were were doing so well, and they've been in the mix the whole Olympiad, and they had the race of their lives to go and win the the race in Tokyo. So it was an exceptional result, and uh, yeah, it definitely one of my favorite races from from the from from the regatta for sure so that comes up to our top two which was a shocker actually jay because i really thought when i voted i was like there's no way there's no way anyone is going to vote for anything other than stefanos tuscos greece coming away with the absolute perfect Fiction of a regatta that was his Tokyo 2021 Olympic yeah. regatta. I didn't think that the the Kiwi eight. I mean, I knew. I thought like, look, a lot of people vote for them. They they had an absolute stormer race, and there are so many good talking points. And I mean, we've gone into such depth with uh, Noel, with Michael Brake, with Hamish. You know, with even with Mahi at the beginning of the year, we chatted about this eight. You know, mm. it was such a big thing over the year. And I still thought Stefanos was going to win this race, was going to win this award because he had done so much. He had done so yeah. much damage at the, the Olympic Games that it was just incredible. And so that was who me and you voted. Yeah, we for. voted for Stefanos, and like for the for the Olympics, we did a we did like a um, you know like you could you could um, you could bet on who you thought was going to win. So we did that with um, all our patrons and we had it open to the public not a single person i think chose stefanos as we had one we had karen one and, person karen and thompson put him I, I think on the podium on the podium one on the podium, person thought he might or in the, the uh, yeah, it must have been in the podium that's only could have come from an, an actuary to <laughs> be able to analyze the stats and, and put that out there but literally <laughs> the most the biggest underdog upset result in the men's single skulls. I mean, you would the the discussion on the podium was also actually it's so crazy because <laughs> if you look back at 2019, we were speaking about this event just being so ridiculous, and we had so many different names. There was Ollie, there was Sferi, there Chettel. was Chettel, there was uh, Grisconis, there was. Um, uh, Damia, uh, there was Martin, some, uh, Steph, uh, not Mandic, the, the, the Dutch, uh, the Dutch guy, um, Stefan Brunick, and it was just like there were so many people that we were like, these, they are like, there are eight people or whatever that could win this regatta. Stefanos was not in those eight yeah. people for us. He was not even on the radar, even though, because even at I mean, at that point, there was still New Zealand, there was still um, Robbie, Manson. Robbie Manson, so it was just like. But when you look back, and again, going back to how we spoke about the, the Canadian woman, is when, you, when we chatted to him on the row show, we realized how much work, how much preparation was going in behind the scenes. So yes, his 
absolute performance wasn't quite there, but they were, he would he was touching on it so many times. And then mm. after you after we spoke to him, you could see it. And then we when we look at the results, I mean, he led Robbie Manson to the thousand meter or fifteen hundred in twenty nineteen which is just by itself is already like a huge highlighter mark on his name yeah. because that is something that, you know, is, is really difficult to do. And then he just needed that little bit of tailwind. He took huge... Yeah, also, I mean, I, I can't wait to see what happens f- for me looking forward, going forward into this next year and towards Paris. I can't wait to see what happens in the men's single because... What is yeah, he broke? I the, see. He broke it. He broke, he broke it. it. He broke the it's, event. There's men's singles about the biggest, strongest, hardest and guys. You, you just get you this. Stick a lightweight in. Broke it. He raced the lightweight event in Rio. It's also an event that's usually dominated by um, like older athletes that have spent years in the event. Stefanos, young athlete, and he got for me the perfect storm for a rower, a, a lighter rower with his. His technique, like that that high tempo aggressive rowing stroke, very actually reminiscent of Robbie Manson. When I lo- I, I said this mm. in the past, when I look at Robbie rowing and I look at Stefanos rowing, there's a lot of commonality between the two. And I mean, it, he he killed the final. It wasn't yeah. even close. He no, killed he it. it. He, he crashed, crashed it. Start to end and really, and I think an honorable mention here is is Ollie. We really oh, missed him in the yeah. in the final. Our hearts broke. When he didn't make that final, and man, I think I really hope to see him back and see him crushing it because he deserves a little bit more than and uh, than flipping. What he got. I also my heart goes out to Sferi. Yes, but I mean, ugh, no, but this is this this is the sport. This is the sport. It's what I mean. Damia comes in, and and it was so awesome to see Damia so happy with getting that bronze medal. Like literally, you could you could see how much that meant for him because. Again, he just rolls the dice, comes along, bronze medal performance. Yeah, but you also know that he's been struggling with injuries like crazy. So for him to just come in and finally get a ride when it counts, I mean, that is what the games is about. It's like you have six to seven minutes to get it right every four years, five in this case. And you roll those dice, and if they land right, you're on top of the world. Yeah, And I mean... I, I think we spoke about it before with us not doing what we wanted to do. And one of the things that I realized was out of every single sport, out of every single event and every single sport, there are only three, two to three crews or teams or people that are happy with their result. Mm. Out of everyone at the games, hey, that's 10 or 15,000 people. There yeah. are two to three because often People in bronze are unhappy Happy, with yes, their results. Time. They're often the favorites that didn't do so well. So, I mean... And they're oftentimes even silver medalists that aren't happy yeah, with their it's, results. It's crazy. And like Stefanos, I mean, I mean, it's just the discussion that we're having now. It can show you what an exceptional performance this was from Stefanos. And I can't believe he... He lost was not. The, he lost to the New Zealand. The New Zealand eights. They won it. You talk about rolling the dice. I mean, New Zealand. That's the gamble. I mean, they were like, "Cool guys, we like that our pair can come second. We like that our other. If we put our boats and we put our scholar on and we did all of this, oh, we could maybe was. get some more medals. But the eight is the cream of the crop. It's what we want. 
the athletes we chatted to to break and Hamish, and they said it, this came from the crews. It came from the athletes to say, cool, we're going to put on the eight. We're going to go for this thing. And so already just to do that by itself is a notable mention. Then to win is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we were, and they went through the rep as well at the games. Yeah, I mean, they Hamish basically the said that they had to watch the rogue video and be like, guys, this is not what we need to do. We have to change our... He has our race plan. Ad hoc. Up ad hoc. We changed it. This is what it. we're doing. No, it, was, it was insane. And like we... For me, it was... It was who's going to beat the Germans. And it was fit, pretty open. Like I thought the... I but thought it, there were going to be a lot of crews that, that were going to be in the mix here. But I did not expect... I mean, everyone, everyone out there had New Zealand on the radar. But this is a huge split, though, as well. When you talk about performance of the year, I mean, all the other ones, a lot of people are winning, you know, 44s and above, 45%, 47%. New Zealand won this event for off our, off our poll at 35%. And, I mean, if you're looking at Survey Monkey, what are the other ones? They must have been really close. It was very, cl very close. I mean, the Canadian Women's 8 came in good. It looks like they got about, like, 25%. Stephanos was just a little bit more. And uh, Valen um, Valentina from the Italian Lighty Women's uh, Double and the rest made up the rest of the percentage. But it was a big split. And it just goes to show mm -hmm. how crazy the, the performances were this year. So we're going to get back to, to, these, to these crews when we talk about event of the year. So let's go through to breakthrough of the year. Breakthrough. Which I think, Jake, you actually more under control on this, uh, on this one. For me... Nothing beats Ireland. Yeah. First, what did they say? They were, they were like some of the, they were the, the like seventh women's medal for Ireland or something yeah. ridiculous. I mean, no, I can't remember exactly, but it was outrageous. It was, it was ridiculous, and I, I think did. It was the third. Yeah. The third medal for Ireland's it's, women's sport. No, it was insane. Like they, they are, they are real mavericks, and not only in the events of the women's four. They were real mavericks in the sport of rowing in Ireland. Um, and they, they've done exceptional. Also a very young crew. Um, another crew that we spoke to. And like it was it just sounded like an amazing journey for them. Late oh. They went through late qualifications. They won that they event. They didn't even row in 2019. They, didn't they were row. like, oh, we're not qualified. We just got to, COVID sucks. We're going to take a break and they will decide later what we want to do. And then Lawrence and I looked, when we were looking at um, late qualifications at... Um, at Lucerne, we were looking at the numbers, and one one of the performances that stood out as potential medal winners were the Irish women's four, based off their uh, prognostic uh, percentage. And yeah, I mean they they were one of the one of the the crews that went into breakthrough of the year. And I did take, I'll admit, I did have a bit of a personal touch to the nominations of the event. I I wanted to nominate more crews that were basically completely off the radar and super underdogs from smaller nations and had crazy races to get into A finals and B finals in crazy events. So yeah. the two- I mean, you have really awesome ones here. You have uh, Russian women's skull. You have uh, um, Iranian women's skull. Also just ridiculous. Just coming- Dude, That's just back boxing out of her boots completely, really winning- the crowd, I would say. That's how you how you would explain what she did at the Olympics. Just win the crowd. Like she, yeah, she everyone did. got behind her. I it was really cool to watch. I would honestly have made a category just for 
her to get nominated because watching That's literally exactly what you said you didn't want to do well i i didn't <laughs> i didn't do it but i wanted to i wanted to do it because you not only is it like it's 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 a huge result for iranian rowing like we've yeah. never had a scholar from that part of the world doing yeah. so well at the olympics and if you looked at her races i don't know if anyone out there well lots of people were out there watching the heats and the semis she was killing it. She was leading huge names to when the 1K, the 1500. So she really, you know, she, she really did fight tooth and nail to make it into the B final of the women's single. And that was really impressive. And another another crew that did exceptionally well in a Gladiator event is Philippe, uh, Felipe Ferreira and Bruno Barillo from Uruguay in the lighty men's double, made the yeah. A final. And even though James Cracknell had them for their bucket hats, the bucket I hats. actually quite liked their hats. I loved the bucket hats, and I loved the fact that they made the A final in the lightweight men's double yeah. skulls. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I and mean, it, it, it really, I mean, fantastic performance for them to make it in there. What I think is really cool, though, is that like because the conditions were difficult, it's, you know... A lot of the time when conditions are perfect, strength trumps that little bit of technique. You know, it always just, just that little bit extra. If you row a bit harder, you kind of cover up a lot of your kind of rowing flaws. And whereas I feel like at Tokyo, it was just, not a, and I don't think it was a lot. I mean, I know the weather was a lot different to perfectly glass, flat water, but it's just swung the scale. I would say that like, you know, 51, 52% to technique mm. over power. Definitely. And then that's what really highlighted the these crews that are like, they just had skill. They had a lot of skill and they didn't have the engines, but they could just make it really count, which I just thought so cool. I would say another honorable mention that I'm upset that you didn't put on here is the Greece uh, Greek women's uh, pair because I know. they were, they were on the, so you, good. This is the one event where I was like sweating over who I'm going to put in here because they they were so... There were so many names. Um, I mean, why is the New Zealand eight not in here? <laughs> Dude, you're asking me the hard questions. I don't know. There's no answer that I can give you that's going to satisfy um, your your um, your your question. Another name I wanted to put in here is Gennaro Damaro, the Italian scholar from you know the young Italian scholar that also got roasted by James yeah. Cracknell. <laughs> but yes, I wanted James Cracknell. Yeah, he, he was, was on roasted, form. He was on fire. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that could have made the the breakthrough. And then another, the next nomination in that that event was uh, Hannah Prakatsin from uh, from the Russian Olympic Commission that uh, took the silver medal in the women's skull. I mean, she did come out of bloody nowhere and was an absolute storm in the women's single. And again, had a fantastic result yeah. in Rio, coming with the the silver medal. I mean, Emma Twig really did have a work cut off for the day. For sure. And then going back and actually just looking at the categories now, you know, now the Greece uh, men's scholar Stefanos Notuskos won here. 47%. He crushed 40, this event. No, he, no, 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 no. 47%. It was ridiculously close. He won 47.37%. The Irish women's four, 44.74%. So, okay. Well, he crushed everyone else then. But yes. it's still uh, those two. But I mean, it's it's clear now why people were voting for New Zealand men's eight for performance of the year because breakthrough of the year. I mean, if, if you took him out, the rest I feel like were really close, but he was just so, I mean, to 
be that undercover and then come away with an Olympic gold medal in the men's skull in in the gladiator event of the men's skull is really ridiculous and like you can't I don't even you can't not vote for him yeah no you 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 definitely can't and so that is the breakthrough of the year Roadshow Awards 2021 Stefanos and Tuskos for his so incredible race in the men's a final the big question Jake how do you think his next Olympic cycle is gonna go Yes, that is a big question. I I honestly, you could not have more of a enigma of a rower to try and, 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 and predict how he's going to do. I I feel, I, I honestly feel that he got a good, the weather and the conditions in Tokyo suited him. I think the, yeah. the tailwind. And I mean, so we, we spoke about this a lot. We did speak about you, it a lot. The weather helps, but it's, you gotta cap you gotta make it count. You you have to be the one to capitalize, to yeah. take that kind of responsibility on to put your best because you have the best weather, you have to then still go and put your best race out to win. Which I like. That's the I think I like, but I do agree. I think if you get flat water again mm, is is he the best? The I, big if, guns. if I'm being true, if I'm being true to myself, I think that was a once-off performance from Stefanos. I no. don't know if what? he can. Oh. I don't know if he can do it again. Uh, 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 like listen, in I a headwind, we'll in a headwind, is not happening. He just he's not beating Oli. He's not beating Sherry uh, and Sherry, and they they just have watts that he doesn't have. Yeah, for me, Oli is a is a flat water scholar. I feel like he's still. You can see every time there's rough water, he struggles a bit. And like he's gotten a lot better, but I mean, but shit, dude, he's been rowing for like four years. I know, but it's the men's single, Lawrence. I don't know. I'm not. I'm just saying that, like, it's the skull. I mean, we've we spent time in the skull. That thing is brutal. And I mean, that's where you get the beauty of the this Olympic Games. I mean, you got uh, Stefanos, who's been a lightweight, and we always have said Drew Ginn always says, "Go watch lightweight rowers. They know how to row. They know how to move yeah. the boat. They know how to." squeeze every drop of power into speed whereas heavyweights just head bang and bash and pull and this thug the boat along and here we have a perfect example difficult conditions the guy with the bow skill managed to win and i think that for me it doesn't take away ever from his performance and i agree with you i think he's going to really struggle to to do that again but his it's it's still what he did it still yeah. counts. There's no comments on the result sheet. He's going to be up there forever yeah. as the Olympic champion. And um, that brings us on to the next category. Now we're going to the other side of the of the, of the, you know of the rowing equation, and we're going to best coach of the year. And I think it's it's good to recognize the you know the the master the masterminds behind um, these these crews and the the, the coaches of the year are a, a reflection of the crews that we've been speaking of. So for me, this is also quite an anomaly of an event because the, for me, I would say the coach is more important than the athletes. Like, especially in a big system. Mm. In a big system where there are multiple athletes, but there's only one head coach. And that coach has to now take all these perfect athletes, put them together, and make them perform. Mm. And I mean, if you look at some of the, Countries, I mean, if you look at the British, I feel like they really missed having Jürgen for the last year. Like mm. they, it was a big, it was a big thing. And I think if they'd had Jürgen, he would have been plenty to push them over the line. I mean, they had tons of good athletes. They gave their hearts and soul into those races. 
and they they missed having someone that had the experience and the knowledge like Jurgen. Mm. No, definitely. And I think you can see the effect. A lot of the crews here that these coaches um, got involved with went from having difficult results to, boom, gold medal. But it's also hard because I find the coaches are very difficult to find out information yeah. on. No, it I is, mean, it's hard it to tricky. even know who the coach is of a specific country or a specific crew to then say, okay, well, this is the coach who did it. And often we, and I would say this is where our, you know, like we put a lot of effort and a lot of time goes into our research for our episodes, especially when we're interviewing big athletes. And one of the times we are often caught wanting where we come up with someone yeah, that's, very we come up with like our research about like, okay, this is the coach. And then we'll be in the interview and then they'll be like, no, actually it wasn't, like this it was it was different and there was other things at play and actually this person was our coach and that person was on his way out so there's a lot of politics and stuff that goes into that and the media doesn't show that at all often mm. so i would say that this again i'm sure people are going to come back and be like no I'm, dude jake yeah. you're so dumb that person Yo, wasn't coaching the right dumb. person good <laughs> <laughs> job we'll we'll see so the nominations for this event, let's go through them. And it was actually a, a good spread. Um, it, was, it wasn't, it was um, you know, everyone here got a couple of votes each. Uh, so let's start off with Dominic Casey, who was responsible for the Irish lighty men's double and the lighty women's double. And there's no, there's, there's, there's no argument to, you know, how dominant the Irish lighty double has been. So that's an easy nomination. And it's, it's interesting because there are two Irish coaches that are on the, on the nominations this year. The second Irish coach here is Tony O'Connor, who coached the New Zealand men's eight. And I know he got involved uh, fairly recently after speaking to, you know, Michael Brake and Hamish. And I mean, yes, what an crazy, what an effect to have on a crew. I mean, there's a lot that goes into a result, but like you said, Lawrence. Also, an eight is wild, an eh? eight, they're eight, they're eight individuals, eight mm -hmm. egos that you have to coach and manage and to get a good like, result. On top of it, there's also like, an eight is like because it's the most prestigious event, and it's because it, and the big countries are all chasing the eight. All the big coaches are in these huge systems chasing the eight, and now you have Tony O'Connor coming in, absolute dark horse with his whole crew being dark horses with the win. Yeah, ridiculous, no, ridiculous. Um, another big name in the coaching world, Giovanni no, Postiani, Gianni Postiglioni from Italy, who has coached many crews and has been a consultant to many, many countries and many crews that have done well. He's consulted Chancellor Africa, he's been to a lot of places around the world. But in this year, he's been heavily involved with the Greek squad and that's the Greeks men's scholar, Stephanos, but also the Greeks women's scholar and the Greek women's pair, which we spoke about earlier that bro broke the world record. And this is who I, I voted for in this event. I thought Stephanos, you know, we just spoke about rowing the technique and the rowing, how important the rowing was in, in the tailwind. And, you know, what goes behind improving a rower's technique is you need that coach to be able to communicate and get the rower rowing how you how yeah. you see fit. And actually, another thing that we maybe need to touch on here, because we haven't really spoken about many Italian crews yet, but Italian coaches yes, are... they are all over the place. All over the place, and they are crushing it. Yeah. Man, like, they really there's something that they're doing in italy that is just sharing the knowledge 
The, the, I know the Irish right. women's four also has an Italian coach. Yeah, I mean, we had an Italian coach. We had an Italian coach. I mean, the Italian coaches all over the place. Yeah. So Romania. Yeah, I mean, it, there they, are so many Italian coaches around. I feel like there's something, you know, there's something um, clandestine that's happening over here with the, all the Italian coaches out there. But um, the the winner of this field, and it was. I mean, it was quite a spread out field, but the winner did kind of win it by quite a big margin. Was Michelle Darvel from Canada with the with the women's eight? So, you know, I mean, it's it's so hard to choose. All of these coaches have done exceptionally well, and yeah. then and she actually, it's quite cool because she won on our poll, um, and then she won for world, world rowing. So, yeah. you know, obviously, people have a lot of respect for what she's done there, and just awesome. Well done. And again, I mean, we spoke about how important the Women's Aid Project was from Canada. So it's clearly something that the Federation has been targeting for a long time. So, I mean, as a coach to finally be at the at the helm of a, of a crew that goes on to take the gold medal, big, yeah. big result. And then we, so then from there, we've moved to the next category, which was Small Federation of the Year, which for me is basically the same as Coach of the Year, but it's like, more undercover people that are doing stuff in small countries, not necessarily kind of everyone knows their name or they just kind of, so that's for me is how the two events mirror each other. So Jake put this, uh, this one together, small federation of the year. You have Ireland, Croatia, Greece, Denmark, Norway. And I mean, there's so many small federations yeah, that locks out of their boots, but could not believe the results of this. I would never, ever have guessed the results for this. 86.84% of the vote went to Ireland. And yeah, I'll be honest. Lawrence is surprised. I'm not surprised. I knew that they were going to win by uh, a margin. I mean, look at the crews that were at the... And look at the crews not only that were at the games, but have done well. You have the Irish women's four we've spoken about. Irish women's pair. The Irish lighty women's double. The Irish lighty men's double. The Irish men's double. I mean, those are five crews that were racing at um, the, the 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 Tokyo Olympics. One of them gold medalist in the event, the other one bronze medalist. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, a pretty easy pick. I mean, Croatia, Greece, Denmark, and Norway. I mean, the athletes from there are you know, pretty obvious. Sinkovic brothers from Croatia. Greece has got Stefanos. Denmark has got Sferi. <coughs> okay, Norway has got Chetel. But, and Olaf. But Ireland... The population of Ireland is five less than five million people. To have those results, mind blowing. Mind blowing. So, so like when you say small federation, they are a tiny, tiny federation. Tiny, tiny, tiny. So I mean, it's it's exceptional, and I'm sure you know Ireland did better than uh, I think they did better than GB at these Olympics, and I think for the Irish, that's huge. That must be a huge thing there because you know GB are probably always been the big know the big neighbors the big brother so to go and get you know results like they did um that that says a lot that brings us and there's a reason we've saved this category yeah, we got for honorable last. mentions first honorable we mentions got, we got a, there's a few stories that i think we need to talk about during the awards to um to to kind of encapsulate how difficult it was for us to to make these choices okay so for me, I feel like it's hard to talk about the wars and not talk about Olaf Tufta. Olaf Tufta. I mean, he's the king of Thomas of Keller Award. Yeah, from uh, from this year. So, and you know, the Thomas Keller Award is it's such a cool thing that world rowing does. And every time I'm like, every time they award it, I'm like, oh my word, yes, that person completely deserves it. 
and this time it was times 10. I mean, Olaf Tufta is probably, he's one of the most decorated Olympians of all time. You know, he's been to 25% 25 of yeah. the modern Olympic Games. I know we've spoken about the stat so many times, but every time I see it, I'm like, how is that even possible? And what an absolute machine. And I just wish that he'd be on the podium again, or at yeah. least in the final would have been really, really cool. And, you know, he's still... He had such a good time with the quad. He really pushed those guys. And, and you know, I think that they will take away more from just rowing with him than they would have done any other way. No, 100%. Which I think is really cool for, for Norwegian rowing. And then uh, there were also a bit of, like, you know, there was a bit of heartbreak at the Olympics. And, you know, one of the, the tough stories to take through it, but an exceptional um, individual in the sport was Sunita Paspure. Definitely heartbreaking to not see her in the A final and racing for medals. But, you know, this just goes to show how brutal the sport is. And, you know, Sunita has done so well um, this last cycle. And seeing her become world champion after, I mean, when we interviewed her, she's got such an interesting story. And, yeah. you know, it's really, it's a story where she's worked tooth and nail. She's, she's you know, she's gone through the hard yards to get to the success that she's had. So I think... That's a huge name, and um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was really I, I in the women's skull, I wanted Sunita to win, and I, I love Emma Twig. I'm so happy she won the gold medal, but I also, I was voting for. It's, Sunita. it's one of those cases where like, it you want them both to win, basically. Like yeah. you, you're not like, you're not you're just emotionally attached to the stories, and you know we've interviewed them both on the road show, and there's there's just so much depth and drama in their in their lives and in their stories and it's just would either way would have been it's like when i think of emma winning i'm like oh man like she's so much she deserved it so much and then when i think of sunita i'm like oh but she also deserved it and she really should have been up there at least on the podium so yeah i think that that was a, a really a big hard one to to watch and to and i'm sure for her it's it's taken her a long time but yeah our thoughts go out to her because we know that sport is brutal we also brutal had our taste and had our taste not pleasant. plenty of times. And then I think I know we did speak about the Australian women's pair, but you know, they made a huge gamble um to go for the four and it was kind of it was a luck of the draw of their um heat. And you know, like for instance, if the Kiwi girls had gone through had to go through the rep of the eight, it would have been a direct clash with the pair. And then we don't even know what what the federation or what world rowing would have done to deal with that so mm. you know that's the small margin that you're talking about when they, when you talk about those two events and i think that just doubling up is in itself is such a ridiculously hard thing to do and i always think it's amazing when we see these top uh, women's crews doubling up so i think that they i hope they don't regret their choice and i think that they did exceptionally well to 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 be there and they are still olympic champions in the fall yeah. which is which is exceptional. Which is what everyone dreams about. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you can't be... I mean, if it ended... If it was just the women's pair, it would be another flipping heartbreak. But, I mean, they did it really well. So, I mean, the... So, I think, going just talking about the heartbreak. So, we've got Sunita, which I think is probably the biggest heartbreak for, for us. But the, got the Norwegian light team men's double. Got the Norwegian light team men's double, catching the crab tipping. you got Ol the... Uh, Oli Ziedler. Missing out in the rough water. Honesty is worst nightmare coming true. You have the Italians coming through in the men's quad, catching the crab when yeah. they were honestly 
forging ahead to victory, which is I really do believe that. You have the British uh, laying everything out in the men's four, laying absolutely everything out to keep that legacy of the men's four alive. And literally missed, yeah. going all out for it, having the wheels come off nearly and possibly a hugely affecting the Italian Italians. race, which is another heartbreak of the same story. And you know, they just so there was just so many, and I know we missed probably five or ten of these. But these yeah, the notable ones and the, but talking the heartbreak, about the biggest oh, I don't know, Sunita might be no, the biggest Sunita might be the biggest heartbreak, but this is also But the most wild COVID story of the games for us was Bruno, Bruno Rossetti. How the day of the Olympic final he wakes up COVID, everyone has to panic, get more COVID tests, he has to go get shut up in a in a isolated. hotel isolated for two weeks whilst they his crew wake up Marco Di Constanzo while he's still sleeping and telling him with two hours to fill the race that he needs to race the Olympic A final then they go win a bronze medal they go back to Italy happy as Larry celebrating Bruno stuck in the hotel room just waiting for and he wasn't even sick yeah no that was also terrible so, so outrageous unofficial Heartbreak of the Year award goes to Bruno Rossetti yeah. from Italy. I mean that he must still be recovering. Yeah, I think it's going to take a lifetime to recover so, from that. Then, getting to the big dog, the big dog event of the year, Jake. And actually, we left this to last because the poll was so ridiculous. It was ridiculously close, and not ridiculously close. We have a tie, Jake. We have a tie. We have a tie. Couldn't. Differentiate, differentiate between, the, between two. the two. So it comes down to me and you, Jake. Between me and you. So hold on, Lawrence is jumping the gun here. The event of the year, okay? Before we talk about the tie, the, 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 the five nominations in this event were the men's single skulls. Okay, no-brainer. Women's eight. Again, for me, no-brainer. It's kind of like a combination. The event of the year for me is like a combination of all the other categories. You consider... The performances you consider the the, the the people in the um in the actual event you consider like the, the upsets what happened in racing and um for me personally there was a one it was a, a absolute the most solid decision i've ever made in that category but it was not to be other nomination for men's double i mean for the the for the category was the men's double but the tie lawrence well, it's got to be between the two big events. You know, we had men's eight, and men's eight was pretty wild over the last cycle. And, you know, it was really up for grabs. We had the British, we had the Germans, we had the Dutch, we had the Australian. And then we had the wild card Kiwis coming through late qualification, putting Hamish in, putting the men's pair into the eight, going for the gamble, and then coming away with the, the win. It's like... It's just a ridiculous story and in the most outrageous event. And you have the British who had all their drama coming through, you know. and the also German eights. But also the British, because we haven't really spoken about them. You know, Mosby was the only person in the men's sweep team to have raced in Rio, to be mm. racing in Tokyo. And then for them to still come away with a medal, that's it's ridiculous. An exceptional performance. You have a completely new generation of athletes. Completely new. And you had all the drama with the coach. You had all the extra stuff around the games. And you have all the pressure that they have to perform and the, the budget that they have, I think, ridiculously good. I'm always, I just think that was really, really, really amazing. So you have men's eight. 
But then on top, yeah, you have the Germans who have won so many events. Mm. And they were definitely the probably the the biggest favorites of the whole regatta to win it. Well, the, maybe not so much this year because they were this year was interesting. I mean, last year was interesting. But I mean, German eight, the legacy they have, and you know they've they've been such a big name in this event for the last. You know, they've for me it's always been a big name. Then you had the anomaly of the Dutch because they're always just bringing in a bit of spice. They're always trying some new gadgets. They're trying something new and they're training and they're racing. Yeah, wild cards. They and they really did have good performances over the cycle. Like they were a huge possibility of pulling it off at uh, at the Tokyo Games. Yeah, so that so was huge. And I, I would consider the New Zealand men's eight as one of the wild cards. The Dutch men's eight is a wild card. And another wild card in this event is the Romanian men's eight. Yeah. Exceptional performance at late qualifiers. Exceptional performance at Europeans. And uh, I mean, they had a disappointing result. But again, I mean, like the Blue Ribbon event is called that for a reason. And I mm. think, you know, that's there's no surprise why the men's eight is tied. Um, with? With. The Lighty Women's Double. Lighty Women's Which double. is also, I mean, what an event. And I mean, we've hardly spoken about it at awards, but I think it's because it was so bloody difficult to choose between the, I mean, there was never a consistent winner. There was no. never someone who won by far. There was never there was never even a surprise winner because everyone was had the possibility and the option of winning at some point. Yeah. So... And it's so crazy that they both ended 43%, 43%. But let me, okay, I, so everyone out there knows that I'm, my, my heart is on lightweight women's double. This is why I think they're the event of the year. Like you just said, the, dif- the, the, the different people that could have won the event, okay? I mean, how, how many different champions have we had in this, this class? Next thing, the tightness of the racing, is ridiculous. You you haven't had an event that has been so tight over the last five years than you have had with the Lighty Women's Double. And, I mean, the, the Olympic final was insane. And for me, the kicker, the kicker for event of the year, how many times did the world's best yes. time get broken? So, okay, so I voted for men's eight. Jake voted for Lighty Women's Double. And I think... As me and you are the only people here, I will swing the vote by converting back to the Lighty Women's Double because it was too good. And I don't even good. know when I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, how, why did I vote for Men's 8 when the Lighty Women's Double was on the same list? It's you know, they took off seven seconds from the world record. Seven seconds, guys. Seven seconds. That's ridiculous. And I still believe they're going to go under 640. No, it's... It's crazy. And like that's You had for me. the Dutch girls nearly miss out on a medal by point one of a second. That's how point much zero one. Lawrence That's point how much zero they one of were, a second. That's how close they were to losing a medal when they were the favorites going in. They were the favorites. They also rode the most phenomenal race profile of a lighty women's double over the last Olympic cycle. You know, they led from start to the last 100 meters and then the wheels came off and holy shit, must they be grateful that they managed to make the podium. Yeah, and I mean, just to give you, I'm just telling you guys what the times are. So the, the, the difference between first place and fifth place in the Lighty Women's Double A final is one second. Oh, one God. second, <laughs> five so crews outrageous. in the A final. It was one second between 
Italy, who again won under most crazy circumstances, and the USA. Lawrence, do you realize how on top of your game you have to be to win in this event? When it comes down to oh. one second between five crews, you have to be so on the ball to win it. Dude, it's, it kills me. I don't even know the pressure. I mean, we talk about how all these events, everyone's selling their souls, but this is, it's just up a notch. And it re- it's so ridiculous. And it gives me I anxiety c- just thinking about it. Semi-finals, heats, the weighing in. These crews have to weigh in. <laughs> I I'm so happy. I am so f- I'm so far above the lightweight <laughs> thing. I don't even have to consider going lightweight. You have to wake up and weigh in for this event. No, it's too much. It's it's crazy. It's it's ridiculous. This is this is why I've to me this is the over the whole cycle. It's the event of last year. It's the event of the Olympiad. Yeah, and like I mean, it completely obliterates anyone anyone with. Um, some gender bias or anything because these are tiny women that are going out there to do battle that are honestly performing to the absolute 100% of their capabilities to make it happen through this event. And I cannot understand when you look at, uh, I mean, both lighty men's and women's double, but this cycle, the lighty women's double, if you look at the racing, how can you make a decision to get rid of that event how well i also think like it's really cool for world rowing to be sitting here with all of these cool events i mean i know that this event is like it's just pipped scale but it's it's i mean the eight was incredible women's eight was incredible you know pairs were good fours were insane skulls were ridiculous there was just like every time an event came down the track you was like oh my word like what is going to happen now what is mm. going to happen now so I think it's like, you know, we give world rowing a fair amount of, of slack with like how they need to progress the sport. But from the, on the cusp of having, you know, the, I think a few kind of technical changes on branding, on racing, on spectator value mm. will completely rejuvenate yeah. rowing because the racing is so good at the moment. The racing the is ridiculous. Athletes are so ridiculous. They're pushing to the absolute pinnacle of what humans can can do and the lighty women's double encapsulates that perfectly. And I, Lawrence, I, I'll be honest to all the listeners out there. When I saw how many people were voting for the men's aid, I was getting upset. There was no, I was in my mind, I'm like, I cannot, if no, the men's aid win this world, I would be hacked, dude. But Jake, dude, people, I mean, think about it, dude. Our listeners, some of them, they need to go and have a look in the mirror because what someone voted for Oxford Cambridge boat race. Someone voted. This thing I've realized on the internet: there's no rules. <laughs> there, are, there are no rules. I don't. I could have. It doesn't matter what I wrote there. Some people were voting for stuff. Oxford men's boat race, just out of the blue. James Thompson voted for the lighty men's double in every category: male crew of the year, lighty men's double. Female crew of the year, lighty men's double. Event of the year, lighty men's double. Coach of the year, lighty men's double. I'm like, dude, what's wrong? Honestly, with you? It's, you know, there's no rules out there. It's the wild west, you know. And but you know, I would expect that from James. James, I would expect nothing. I expect better from less. you. Oh, you, you need to lower your standards. <laughs> <laughs> I see that. I do need to lower my standards. Oh, okay. So that wraps up the gladiator, the one, 
the one that we we really needed to get into. So I think to finish off on a lighter note, Jake, the best row show interview of 2021. So we looked at all the numbers. We already spoke about the big countries that were listening, the big cities that were listening, the 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 range of countries that we had listening to the row show. So we didn't even need to post this as a poll because we already have the stats are in. And we'll go into what me and you like the most. But first place, Hamish Bond. Hamish Bond. King. Easy. King. And actually New Zealand just wiping the floor with our yeah. show episodes this year. And I know we did a lot of New Zealanders and they probably just feel like, what's up with these guys from the row show? They're just hounding us, stealing all of our, our knowledge. But, you know, they are, first of all, really easy to get hold of. They always want to talk about rowing and they have, some of the most incredible athletes and results. So big shout out to New Zealand Rowing for all the athletes and just uh, all their, their their people just trying to come forward and, and share their stories. So Hamish first, second Michael Brake, third Mahi Drysdale. Yeah. I mean, it's those ridiculous. are three good ones though. Those are very good ones, yeah. No. Then some of the other honorable mentions, we had the Italians, which we already spoke about how amazing it was to just have them on the show and a new culture, a new dynamic to talk about. Kerry and Grace part two. I mean, really had them on the show first and they were just incredible, so it was cool to chat to them. Kath Granger, ridiculous results from the, the British team and we have really struggled to get the British athletes mm. on. So that was always, that was so, so cool. And then Noel Donaldson, one of the first big coaches that we've had yeah. on the show, really getting into depth on on that side and of things. And someone that's got a, you know, he's had a connection to a lot of the athletes we've interviewed, yeah. Hamish, Eric, Andrew. Yeah. So it was, it, it was a nice, um, it was a nice episode to kind of connect and kind of close a book well, not close the book. We definitely not close the book on any of them. But just to connect all those athletes together with um, the great coach that is Noel Donaldson. So, Jake, what is your favorite? My favorite episode of the year is definitely Hamish. Like, it's someone that we've both wanted to get on the inter- inter- on the road show for a long time. He's a huge name in the sport. And there's a if all the people out there send in requests, Hamish is on the top of the list. And, and also, what I chat. what I really liked about Hamish is like you know I always thought that. You know, Eric was maybe the more outspoken of the two and he was going to be quite quiet and reserved. But then when we chatted to him, he just really dived into his story, dived into all of the like nitty gritty that he thought made him tick. And and it was incredible to get the like, because also we kind of put this big puzzle piece together. You know, we had, um, we have Hamish, we had Eric, we had Hamish, we had, you know, some of the other athletes, Michael Brake, Mahi, those are all athletes that have trained and raced with Eric and Hamish over many years. And then to have the coach, Noel, which is my pick for the best episode. I That's my favorite episode of, uh, of 2021 because he was just so different and it was just such a good chat to, to have and, you know, really helped, I think, uh, especially through lockdown, we were still doing Zoom interviews at that point me and jake were not in the same room and that was really difficult so it was really nice to to chat to Noel mm. and kind of get a new perspective and a coach's perspective on these phenomenal athletes and on his career which was absolutely stellar absolutely stellar and that wraps it up guys and um yeah it's awesome to be back and i hope you enjoyed the the Rose show awards for 2021 and we missed out on 2020 so it's good to be back here with another set of the awards and uh, what an amazing year. Yeah. 
what an amazing year. The Olympics in Tokyo, that was a banger. Yeah, and I really hope that um, the next years live up to it. And I know that we teased people for their voting and stuff, but please, guys, send in what you think we missed, what you think we, what you liked, what you disliked about the Roshaw Awards. Uh, let us know. We'd love to hear it, and we we'll always give you guys feedback. If you message us, we will reply. A huge shout out to our patrons. You guys are absolute legends, legends and yeah. the Patreon group is just a ridiculous wealth of rowing knowledge, and it's just really cool to have been part of it and to help grow this amazing rowing community that we have. So yeah, shout out to everyone. Thanks for listening, and till next time, we're out. Cheers, guys. See you next time. Dude, you gotta stop breathing so heavily. Sorry, I have that effect on people. <laughs>'Dude, what the fuck is this? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> dude, what? <laughs> what is that, dude? What are you doing? I'm not doing it. This is what SoundCloud. What are you doing? I this is SoundCloud. What am I? What am I doing? I don't know what, <laughs> what I'm doing. What are you doing? Dude, this algorithm is giving you something fuck, dodgy. dude. <laughs> I just first thing I see is a fucking guy butt naked on SoundCloud.